This podcast is brought to you by the upcoming Bioceuticals Seminar Series, The New Science of Detoxification with Dr. Chris Shade. Dr. Shade is a globally recognised expert on toxic burden and targeted liposomal delivery systems. He has lectured and trained doctors in the US and internationally on the subject of mercury, heavy metals and the human detoxification system. In this one-day workshop, Dr. Shade will share his deep understanding on how to restore, manage and augment all three phases of detoxification with profound implications for health. At the end of the day, you will have a full understanding of how to provide a personalised, holistic detoxification program that moves away from the hit-and-miss shotgun approach practitioners may have used in the past. For more information, visit bioceuticals.com.au slash education slash events. This is FX Medicine and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And with me in the studio today is Amy Skilton, who's a very experienced naturopath, herbalist and nutritionist of 13 years odd clinical practice and a premier senior educator and writer for Biocircles for at least the past 10 years. She's also very famed for her work with dermatological conditions and there's a very well listened to podcast with FX Medicine that we've previously done together. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. Now, we're going to be following on from that because we're talking today about gut repair programs and the gut is the seat of all health, really. So I think to start it off, because this is so opinionated, how do you approach a gut repair program? That certainly is a very loaded question. And I'd like to preface my answer with saying there is certainly more than one way to do things. But to share with you how I approach it, there's some key elements around gut repair that I always consider. When it comes to the actual gut repair program itself, there's two core strategies that you must employ in order to get a effective and long-lasting result. So firstly, you've got to consider, of course, the microflora um, balance uh, and what's happening there. And dysbiosis is something that just about everybody is affected by to some degree. And then in addition to that, the integrity of the intestinal tract itself or its permeability, is that at an appropriate level or is it hyperpermeable? So when crafting a program for a patient, they are the two key things that I consider and write into the program that I'd put together for that. However, that alone is not enough. So before we dive into that, I'd like to just take a step back and suggest a couple of other things to consider as well. Mm. So firstly, there is no point in putting someone through a gut repair program if they are going to continue to ingest and imbibe things that are going to be hindering the healing process. And there are some really obvious things uh, that you can recommend that they avoid. So alcohol, tea, coffee, artificial colors, flavors, and sweetness, sugar, of course, and all refined foods. Uh, In addition to that, though, it is worth considering that many foods can act as inflammatory um, antigens, if I can call them that. Now, the irony being 
a gut repair program can reduce your reactivity to many foods and improve your digestion. However, when you have someone come to you with gastrointestinal distress, it's worth also putting together a nutritional plan for them that removes the most common food intolerances. So things like wheat and dairy are the two most obvious things that stand out. Of course, citrus and chicken are are other things that you might want to consider too. So I've recently run across a program called Victus, and I, I've got to say, I was flabbergasted how well developed this is. You've, you've, you know this, right? I have recently had a look at it in more detail, and it's actually really, really exciting tool. And I'm, I'm glad you bring it up because. For anyone who's sat down and and tried to pull together a diet plan mm. with recipes, breakfast, snacks, lunches, dinners, that has to be dairy-free, gluten-free, um, and cater for other um, special requirements that that patient might have, it's a lot of mm. work and it takes a lot of hours, a lot of energy, a lot of creativity. And then, of course, you have to cater for that person's individual tastes mm. and cultural preferences for food. And the fantastic thing about what Victus Health have done is this software program allows you to create a diet plan for anyone and and I use the word diet in the sense of just simply what you're eating Um, but you can use so many different filters to allow it to um, select and hone down recipes and meal plans which at the end spits out a program for your patient and recipes for them to follow. And, And sorry I'm going to interject because I want to stress to people that it's not just lists of what to eat and what to avoid. They're everywhere on the internet. Mm, mm. It gets really confusing and boring. Yes. And it's really hard to say, oh, what do I have for dinner tonight? Mm -hmm. And this, to me, is the practical difference. I really wish this tool had been around (laughs) (laughs) 10, 15 years ago. I mean, I'm grateful for the experience of having to do all of that myself, but no one has time to do that. It's a lot of uh, man hours or mm. woman hours that are lost that you're not paid for. Mm. And whilst I've collated a very large library of these things now, it still takes a lot of time and effort to do. So um, certainly using the Victus Health program or software is a fantastic shortcut, irrespective of whether you're doing a gut repair program for someone or not, just as a simply healthy eating plan. So, yes, removing anything that can do them harm is absolutely key. And if someone has particularly weak digestion, I may even steer them towards more easily digested foods Mm. like slower cooked, longer cooked foods, things like soups, things like smoothies and stews, just to take some of the extra pressure off the digestive system while it is repairing itself. So, and I suppose the other thing I want to highlight before we talk specifically about the gut repair strategies is understanding that digestion actually begins in the head and stress management is a really key part of helping switch someone out from that sympathetic nervous system dominant state of fight or flight and feeling stressed and adrenalized, Mm. which so many of us are to a degree most of the time and actually getting them back into that parasympathetic nervous system dominant rest and digest state. So I always make sure that my clients are aware that they shouldn't be eating in front of the telly, watching the news or a stressful movie or listening to really loud, high tempo music and even 
certain topics of discussion. If you're having a disagreement with your flatmate or your significant other or you're debating, you know, some really contentious topics, over dinner is not the time to do it <laughs> because the adrenaline redirects your circulation away from your digestion, which is going to inhibit your ability to break down food, which will therefore create an antigenic um, environment inside the gut. When you say digestion begins in the head, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. And, and it's so easy to fall into the, the eating lunch in, during the stressful times. But one thing that I try and tell people is take out the deity and what is grace, saying grace. Mm. Really, it's having gratitude mm -hmm. for the food and putting your body in a good place. Yes. But how do you practically prepare yourself for, and, and indeed your patients mm. for that? Gratitude practices are now becoming more widespread and so exciting that that is the case. And it, it's actually a transformative practice in your life wherever you apply it and certainly is very helpful for people to shift their focus on what's not working to what they what is working mm. in their life and what they're grateful for. And the saying of grace before a meal is an expression of gratitude for the food that you're about to consume and the person and who enjoy. made it for and enjoy. And it sets a really beautiful um, scene and energy for an enjoying dinner. And I think um, certainly it can be applied to every aspect of your life. But before meals, just taking a moment to really appreciate that we have a safe home to sit down and enjoy nourishing healthy food uh, and, you know, potentially sharing it with people that we also yeah, love yeah. is a really beautiful thing to do and does actually affect our biochemistry and the way our digestion works. For some people that may not be enough to center themselves for want of a less of a woo-woo word, <laughs> yeah. to really bring yourself into the present and um, be calm and conscious and in that parasympathetic nervous system dominant yep. state, yep. I will often give my patients a little yogic breathing exercise to do. It's a pranayama or alternate nostril breathing. And I get them to close their eyes and practice that for, you know, even a minute or two is enough. And it just allows their system time to come down off that adrenaline and actually settle into their body and actually really be there about to enjoy their meal. And the flow and effect from that is they eat slower. I try and encourage them to put their fork down yep. more frequently between bites as well. And, of course, chew their food mm. to the consistency of baby food. Now, I'm guilty of not doing that on a regular basis. We all are. As we all are. Um, but when you think to yourself, why is my digestion suffering? That is definitely one area you can influence very easily. Mm. And if someone's going to go to the effort of a gut repair program, including those elements uh, is crucial for them to get the kind of result that you both want. I think, I think one of the key things is you can get some results by relying on supplements that do partially these jobs for you. Why would you? Why would you be reliant on supplements when you can do this yourself? Now, and I get it that it's a it's a bit of a journey for a lot of people because we start from a centered, uh, sorry, a non-centered, very stressed place. But just to teach these things, and I've got to say, just listening to you calms me into this parasympathetic <laughs> nervous. It's great. How then, though, do you do you really actively teach people? And and I've got to say, how effective do you find it being? Mm. We are creatures of habit, and changing habits 
does require consistent application. So, you know, gentle reminders and check-ins is really helpful. Yeah. And, and what works for some people might not work for others. You know, some people respond really well to affirmations or um, a you know, a supportive text every couple of days. Others like to print out my recommendations and put them on the fridge where they see them every day in the kitchen. And, it, you know, you, you can't make huge transformative changes overnight typically, but it's just a matter of gently reminding your patients why they're doing it and what result they can expect to see. And I think, you know, different things motivate different people, uh, but to just let them... Be aware that if they can instill in themselves these habitual healthy practices, their requirement to do a gut repair program down the track is reduced. You're teaching them really how to take care of their digestion for the rest of their life, which affects the health of them Mm. for the rest of their life. Mm. Okay, but can you repair the gut without the use of supplements? That's a really good question, and I think it really depends on the degree of gut repair that's required, but I would suggest that if someone has ended up in your clinic room looking for help, they are beyond, that their body's ability to heal itself has been compromised to the point that they just can't without intervention that you can provide. So the short answer to that question really is no. I think to expedite results, to give them a a really obvious improvement in a short period of time, you've really got to employ the nutritional and herbal medicines that we have at our disposal. And why wouldn't you, knowing that it's going to provide really quick relief for your patients and set them up to maintain that going forward? But, you know, one of the problems I see with our, um, you know, live now, pay later a lifestyle of the 21st century is I want to relieve my symptoms. Mm. And there's so many things out there that will relieve symptoms quite effectively but prolong a disease process or a pathological process. Mm. How do you change people's attitudes to that? Because that's a real big one. That is really probably one of the most common challenges I have generally in clinic is that mentality of just make me feel better now Mm. and I don't want to take responsibility for why I've ended up here. And Again, it is that gradual um, coaching process around having them understand their body and why it's happened. And I suppose, more importantly, having them understand that if they get this right now, they're going to avoid a lot of problems in the future. So it is finding what motivates someone and how to just keep them going um, and really teaching them those good habits for the rest of their life. Sometimes I have to rely on, uh, um, I won't say a fear thing, but just say, well, look, this is where it's going to head. Sure. Owing that, um, given that pathological symptom relieving ideation, if you like. Yes. Um, Sometimes, though, I do find that you've got to use some. Let, dare I say, quick fix symptom relieving mm-hmm. you know, herbal you interventions, something like, like marshmallow Absolutely. and things like that. You know what? The the balancing act that we are walking with our patients all the time is providing a result and as immediately as possible to have them feel better because that's incredibly motivating in and of itself. And there's nothing wrong with relieving symptoms and having someone feel better. That's why we do what we do. 
But it's just having them understand that that's not enough mm. and that while you're helping them feel better, you're actually going to get to the underlying cause as well. I, sh- I should have mentioned, I, I mentioned a herb there, marshmallow. Mm. The thing that was going through my mind there is the, the reflux, the, that, that burning, irritated feeling sure. which people rely on PPIs. And mm. I think it's really interesting that when I started out nursing, mm. the um, ant- anti-ulcerant of the day uh, was only ever supposed to be used for eight weeks. Mm. And now it's, you're on art mm, for the rest of their lives. Mm. And I really have issues with rest of your life stuff without looking at cause. Yes. Um, but as I say, sometimes you've got to relieve some symptoms and marshmallow and slippery elm are some really beautiful soothing herbs for dyspepsia where you can mm-hmm. start. Yep. Um, but the other thing is things like Saccharomyces boulardii, and I find that actually extremely quick when you're looking at diarrheal type Mm. symptoms. Mm -hmm. It it is. It's interesting uh, when you look at some of the herbs and nutrients and probiotics that we have to choose from that it doesn't have to take a long time for your patient to feel better. In fact, using Saccharomyces boulardii as an example, that can induce a rise in secretory IgA, which is an anti-inflammatory immunoglobulin within four hours of taking it. So someone with gastrointestinal distress, whether it's IBS or infectious diarrhea, can feel better within half a day, which I think is really, really great, while what else you're doing is going towards repairing or fixing up whatever may be wrong underneath. The thing I like about Saccharomyces boulardii is that there's even research now showing that it can be used with idiopathic diarrhoea, i.e. you have diarrhoea and we have no idea why you have it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's useful for all types of diarrhoea. Yes. Well, we've touched on some symptoms already, dyspepsia and diarrhoea, which indicate gastrointestinal distress. And of course, when you're looking at a gut repair program, um, people might p- uh, present with upper GI, lower GI. It might be constipation, diarrhoea, a mixture of both, mm. gas, mm. bloating, uh, food intolerances. So to sort of take it back to the basics, obviously each of those things might require extra nuance. But there are two key strategies when it comes to gut repair, and that is improving intestinal integrity and restoring microflora balance. And I like to do those, we really have to do those two things simultaneously because they have a symbiotic relationship in and of themselves. But let's start with restoring microflora balance because Saccharomyces boulardii is actually my favorite thing to do that with. Mm. Um, Generally speaking, most people have got small bowel overgrowth of some sort of opportunistic pathogen whether it's bacteria, yeast, combination of the two, and there's lots of reasons for that happening. Saccharomyces boulardii is my primary uh, choice because it has a multitude of effects that actually improve the microflora. Not only does it competitively inhibit many intestinal pathogens, including candida albicans, it helps to eliminate them in a way using secretory IgA as opposed to actually being antimicrobial, which reduces the incidence of die-off effect and auto-intoxication. In addition to that, by stimulating secretory IgA production, it's raising anti-inflammatory mediators in the body, which helps with symptomatic relief really quickly. And secretory IgA is also a critical part of the mucopolysaccharide paste that our gut produces, Mm -hmm. which is actually required for our microflora, our commensals, to inhabit the gut, without which you could be giving the best probiotic in the world and they would have nowhere to stick and therefore have a limited, if any, effect. So... Speaking for adults, because that's probably the most common application of a gut repair program, I would use 1,000 milligrams a day for four weeks. And that 
appears to be the general recommendation for raising secretory IgA to sustainable therapeutic levels after which our body should be able to maintain that itself unless there's some severe immunocompromise occurring. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it's doing there, of course, is, I guess, repairing and regenerating that soil in which we're going to plant the microflora in the following four weeks. So my gut repair program is typically an eight-week program, and I might extend that out a little bit more depending on the degree of dysbiosis. So that's really taking care of the microflora side of it. Now, if there are any particularly virulent pathogens in there or there's parasites, you might need to employ antimicrobial or antiparasitic strategies, but you wouldn't introduce that until a couple of weeks in because you've got to reduce inflammation first and allow the gut to heal to a degree so that you don't end up with um, die-off effect and actually making the person feel worse. Yeah, and this is a key thing with the old way of doing things was get it out of there quick. Mm. But the problem with it was that it didn't improve your own immunological capacity. Mm. So if you didn't have that, then what's going to grow in in bad soil? And it actually weakens the person also. I very quickly discovered that that doesn't work. When I was first in practice, I tried, you know, the antimicrobial first approach and then, you know, repopulation and gut repair, you know, towards the second half. And it makes people feel terrible and it's fairly ineffective. It's certainly not as supportive or nourishing or kind or as effective as actually doing some healing first. No, you try it in a chronic fatigue sufferer and they mm, just they cycle at a lower ebb. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So of course, following up on from Saccharomyces boulardii, being a non-commensal, you must introduce commensal microflora. Um, the higher the dose, the better initially when you're trying to recolonize the gut. And it's really exciting now that there are options out there that provide hundreds of billions of bacteria as opposed to just millions or a couple of billion. And when it comes to restoring microflora, the best opportunity that you can offer the gut to re-establish itself is to provide as broad a spectrum uh, probiotic as possible also, making sure you cater for the small and large intestine, that there's lactobacilli and bifidobacterium in there also. So that's the microflora side of things. And then you've got, of course, intestinal integrity. So that comes down to several different things, and that includes nourishing the intestinal cells, uh, making sure that there's um, nourishment in there for the microflora also, and using appropriate anti-inflammatories, vulnerary demulcent herbs um, for really inducing that symptomatic relief to improve patient compliance as the other herbs are doing their nourishing and feeding and repairing. Okay, so what sort of things do you employ here, though? There's so many out there. Mm. Um, Some of the old heroes. There's some newer things? There are so many things you can choose. And like I said at the beginning of our chat, there's no right way or wrong way to do things. But I would like to think that glutamine is always a part of that because that particular amino acid provides fuel for enterocytes and colonocytes. So as our gut is replacing itself every four days, it's a highly energy dependent process to repair and regenerate and keep those tight gap junctions really healthy. So providing glutamine, I think, is definitely something you want to include in there. Uh, In addition to that, like I mentioned before, secretory IgA being a part of that 
mucopolysaccharide paste where our commensal flora live. uh, Omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin A are also critical to that. And I'd also throw in their vitamin D because without adequate levels of vitamin D, our immune system can't produce antimicrobial peptides like cathelicidin, which are part of our natural defense system against pathogenic bacteria. So in addition to that, we've got some really beautiful traditional herbs that are fantastic for gut repair. So things like aloe vera juice, Mm. the inner leaf of aloe vera has just got this beautiful, soothing, nourishing. Mucilaginous. It's just divine, as well as being a great source of enzymes as well. So that's an absolute must in my books. Same with slippery elm. Now, that's a really traditional herbal medicine stalwart. And that also is incredibly soothing. It's demulcent. It's vulnerary. It contains all kinds of things, including arabinogalactans, glucans, um, which help to nourish the bacteria as well as soothe the lining of our gut. Um, And then, of course, we've got licorice. Mm. Now, licorice is also a topical anti-inflammatory and a very, very powerful one at that. So you can use it in concentrated forms for upper GI dyspepsia, but it also has an impact on lower GI inflammation as well. The only thing I would say is make sure you use a deglycerizinated form because glycerinic acid has got the potential to raise blood pressure, lose potassium, cause fluid retention. and So this avoids... This avoids that problem. So using regular licorice for really short periods of time doesn't tend to be problematic uh, except for those that are vulnerable to Mm. that. Mm. But at therapeutic doses for more than six weeks, you're definitely going to run into some problems. So So the deglycerizonized licorice, which I can never spill. (laughs) It gets me too. (laughs) Yeah, that's the perfect option for that too. Um, And in addition to that, Cinnamon. Now, cinnamon's a really oh. popular herb for a number of different applications, uh, and it's a really delicious um, culinary addition as mm. well that has a carminative effect on the digestive system. Uh, it's a great uh, anti-inflammatory, which helps to re- uh, relieve bloating, flatulence, and discomfort. And in addition to that, it also helps to stimulate NERF2, which makes it a powerful antioxidant. Now, antioxidants might be a surprising consideration for gut repair. However, phase three detoxification that occurs via antiporter proteins in the epithelial tissue itself is mm. actually a critical part of our defense system and is very antioxidant dependent. Right. Um, so you could consider any antioxidants, but cinnamon has a great application there, and so too does glutathione. Now, that's something that's recently become listable here in Australia. And if you can choose one that we know has got bioavailability, that's also a really powerful application to cellular health across the board, but in particular digestive system as well. I think the the uh, interesting thing about glutathione, to me it's kind of like the curcumin issue. Mm. You know, normal everyday curcumin doesn't get readily absorbed. The human data shows that. Mm. However, now we're looking at the bioavailable forms of curcumin, and I think this is the same sort of story with glutathione. If we look at the data, the old data, you had to use massive amounts to mm. get any systemic effect. Yes. Now, however, you've got trials, human trials, showing an improved serum level of glutathione using these new agents? Mm, I feel really lucky that we live in a day and age where we've got technology developing that 
improves the bioavailability of these things that have been in the past more challenging to use because you had to use such high doses, which makes it prohibitive for patients yeah. when it comes to cost yeah, and compliance as mm. well. No one wants to take, you know, a bowl full of pills every day to feel better. That was crazy. Yeah. Yep. Actually, interesting on that note, um, quercetin is a bioflavonoid that has been used as an anti-inflammatory or particularly antihistamine um, with regards to allergies and also digestive system. And there's a new form of quercetin available now as a phytosome that has a much more bioavailable delivery mm. because it's actually in this um, matrix of phospholipids it actually much more readily crosses the cell membrane and gets into cells and has an anti-inflammatory effect there also so really the only thing that I haven't mentioned then is things like viscous fibers found in pectin and with the recent symposium this year, Mike Ash certainly talked about the value of stewed apples and what an impact that that can have on the digestive system. That alone can have um, powerful results. Um, so pectin is definitely something you'd want to include. Very powerful. I will say them. Mm. Uh, a Crohn's patient that I'm treating um, finds that one of the few fruit that she can tolerate is apples. Yeah, wow. So it sort of goes against this anti, mm. you know, and I'm not denigrating the FODMAP diet. I think it's extreme useful, particularly yes. in ir- irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, That's where yes. it's got a name. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it works wholesale. Mm. Um, it's got its place. Yep. Um, but for this Crohn's patient, apples is one of the most therapeutic things she can eat. Mm. Isn't that nice too that something so simple and easy to access mm. can have such a profound impact on yeah. someone's health? And I'm glad you mentioned FODMAP. There is um, a lot of different ways of eating, including FODMAP, that can produce relief in a patient. In my opinion, I would like to think that if I repair and regenerate the gut and improve digestion to where it should be, following a program like that should no longer be necessary. Now, there will be um, circumstances in which a a patient may end up having to um, either stay on it or move back and forth um, and maybe do repeated Mm. gut repair programs. Mm. You know, Crohn's disease is is one of those where it's very serious and very deep. Yeah, IBS just is one of those things that can really persist. Um, And certainly on that note, other interventions that you may want to use as and when they're needed are digestive enzymes. That's probably the the only thing I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Again, it's my preference to improve someone's digestive secretions by ensuring that they're eating in a calm environment, chewing their food properly, and I get them to take bitters before meals. Sometimes a squeeze of lemon juice and water is sufficient. Otherwise, actual bitter herbs. I know gentian's a really popular one. A few drops on the tongue, you know, 20, 30 minutes before meals helps to actually upregulate the uh, enzymatic production in the body digestively speaking, Uh, but certainly during the course of a gut repair program when you're trying to heal someone's body and get their functionality back to where it should be, the use of broad-spectrum digestive enzymes can also be really helpful. I think one of the key issues with the FODMAP diet is that it was always, by Sue Shepard, it was always called the low FODMAP diet. Mm. It was never, as, as far as I'm aware, never called the no FODMAP mm. diet mm-hmm. because Sue Shepard, who devised this diet, is a dietitian, mm-hmm. and I think she's very well aware of the importance of a broad spectrum variety of healthy foods. Yes. And I think I, I'd love to speak to this lady because I think she would be a little bit horrified as to how literal some people take sure. it, the all or none switch that we have. Yes, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it'd be very interesting to speak to her. It's a real human tendency, isn't it, Mm. to just want to for things to be black and white. But ultimately, what we're aiming for with gut repair is to restore the level of health to someone back to where that they don't suffer from digestive symptoms and can tolerate a large range of foods freely and, and happily. And for me, that's the ultimate end goal. Amy, I love your experience. You've, I mean, you've obviously treated so many patients and I love the way that you encourage them um, to change their lives for the better. And, and I know from our previous podcast that it's because you had previous issues, so you're really walking your talk because mm. you certainly don't look like you have any of those dermatological <laughs> issues that you spoke of in the last podcast. Mm. So I, I thank you so much for taking us through the practical ways in which we can bring patients up and, and really sort of rejuvenate their guts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Andrew. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. This podcast was brought to you by the new science of detoxification, advanced approaches to phase one, two, and three support. For more information, visit bioceuticals.com.au slash education slash events.